The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman grew up in a household where there was always enough, and she was always told she could be anything she wanted to be. That was until she wanted to be a mechanical engineer. Her mom thought this was not for girls, but this young woman was smart, strong, and ready to tackle the world. So she became a mechanical engineer, and years later, she had moved in and out of the aircraft industry as well as the entertainment industry. But in 2008, she decided she wanted to be an entrepreneur. Using her engineering training, she analyzed what her skills were and what people would pay for those skills and opened her door to what would become a very successful business. Today, as a businesswoman, her greatness continues to shine as she guides corporate managers toward becoming great leaders. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Valerie Grubb. Hi, Valerie. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Annette. Thank you so much. Um, My goodness, what an intro. Uh, (laughs) I can't believe you gleaned that all. So thank you. Uh, It it, it has been, uh, it's been an incredible journey. So I'm I'm very lucky. And we're going to uncover some great nuggets from that journey. So I have so much that I want to cover with you. So let's jump right on in. Okay. Sounds great. So you told me that when someone tells you, you can't do something, it only makes you more determined. So my question to you, Valerie, has this ever backfired on you? And how do you deal with others when they try to put you in your place? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like I, I found that out very early on that just kind of saying, no, you can't do something is is not really good for me. Um, <laughs> I say that in the fact that, uh, I mean, thank goodness it's never been anything bad because then I'm going to jump all over it. But just like my mother telling me that, you're not an engineer. It's like, well, as a matter of fact, yes, I am. I remember in college, my brother's best friend who also, we all went to the same college, the same engineering school. And he told me I couldn't be a mechanical engineer with an electrical minor. They called it ME suicide. And I'm like, really, I can't do that? Well, let me just show you what I can do. And I did it. Uh, It was very painful, uh, but I did it. And that kind of set it up for the fact of, I can do things once I put my mind to it. And I think it, so I had some early success with that, like some early confidence. I'm going to say nothing that sticks out. And I only say that because I also don't look at it, even if it did backfire, I don't look at, I don't look at it as a sign of failure. Meaning that I learned that maybe that's not the route I want to go, or I just got to pivot and do something different or, or just tweak my plan. And I wouldn't come back and say to you, Annette, that everything has been seamless and it's been easy, anything like that. It's just, if I come up to a roadblock, it's the fact that I just pivot and go down another lane. And I don't consider that to be a backfire. I consider that to be a moment to learn and then adjust the plan that I'm going in. So, and I'm not trying to be light. I'm not trying to be I've had no hardships or anything like that, very far from that. It's just, I don't dwell on the fact that this, wow, this was a failure. This was a backstep. I look at this as an opportunity to, to just shift the plan. If you don't mind, I'll share a story. So I helped to found the women's cable channel, the oxygen channel. And we sold the company in November of 2007. We sold to NBC universal and 
I was out of a job, stayed to, I was paid to play to stay on and, and help transition in the company. Three months later, I had two job opportunities from NBC Universal. And I was initially going to go out on my own, but I thought, oh my God, what if, what if NBCU is like, like the place I'm supposed to be? And I kind of talked myself out of it and I took the riskier of the jobs. I had heard the boss I was going to work for. I had so many people caution me against working for this gentleman. And I've worked for some very tough bosses. I can work for this guy. And I would say in looking back that they were right. A month into the job, I'm going across the GW Bridge. I live in New York at the time. I'm going across the George Washington Bridge. And I'm like, oh my God, if this car this car falls into the Hudson, do I have to go into the office today? <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, Val, what are you doing? Like, clearly, this is, this is not working. Is it a failure? Yeah, it's a failure. All right, if we want to call it that. And I, instead of coming back and beating myself up and saying, wow, you should have listened to all of those people, I just looked at that as an opportunity to go, I tried it. It's not what I expected. And it's time to do something different. And I took the next five months to really figure out the plan for launching my business. And that's exactly what I did. And I say five months because I'd worked into my contract that if I wanted to leave up to six months, I could and, and still get my severance had I just not taken the job to begin with. So I had a plan in there just in case things didn't work out that I could pivot and try something that was risky. And it's interesting, like, isn't it? I, I think of that as it, it was easier for me to start my own business than to go back into a corporate America, to a corporate job. <laughs> you know, it, like a lot of reasons for that. But again, it is, I think it's all in how you view things. I could have looked at that and said, gosh, boy, did that backfire. I just failed at that job. And my boss hated me and the feeling was mutual. So <laughs> maybe we shouldn't say that in this, but... Um, <laughs> But I guess I just want to kind of say that to folks who are listening that if you, you know, sometimes you get in the job and you try things and you go, wow, that is not quite what I expected. Yeah, I could have listened to everybody, but I took a chance. I took a shot. They're right. I'm right. I learned. Now it's time to come back and move on to something else. So I just find it Instead of focusing on the fact that maybe what my plan was that that failed, maybe my plan failed, but instead let's take the lessons learned there and and use that to my advantage to pivot to something else that I want to do. So, and so for you, those things that could be deemed as failures, you look at them as just opportunities of growth. Absolutely. I think you got to lean into- That reframing is is just, because if you don't look at it that way, you, you get afraid to do anything. Well, you get afraid to do anything and you start to undercut yourself because, Absolutely. you know, what, what are the two sides? I, I learned or I failed. Right. So learning exactly as you said, Annette, it's growth. And I learned that big corporate America isn't for me anymore. But the other side is that I fa- I'm failing at this job. And, and really, I was not succeeding because my boss and I just, I was not succeeding. <laughs> it was not good. It that <laughs> And instead of focusing on that, this is just not the right opportunity for me. It's crystal clear to me that I am ready to go out and work for myself because I was chafing under under having a very 
controlling boss. Right. And, right. and so that's a learning experience. So like I said, I think, and I don't think we need, there's enough challenges in the world instead of us coming back and beating up on ourselves for not being perfect or not being great or not being the best. That wasn't my forte working for this gentleman. Let's take that and move on to something that I am really good at right. uh, and that I can do well. With saying that, we're going to move into the next question. So being a change agent is something you believe in. Yet no. many would prefer to complain as opposed to doing something to change things. So my question to you is, how do you get past the distraction of complainers and lead the change so desperately needed? You know, I'm curious, are you talking about for you personally, or is it our being a change agent, say, within a corporate environment? I'm just I curious. I think being a change agent in general. In general. I mean, I think, I think for you, from what I gathered from our, our earlier conversation, you believe very much in being one that can instigate change. And but we always know there's a ton of naysayers on the, the sideline. There's people that would rather complain about something as opposed to rolling up their sleeves and digging in. And a lot of people but, like that. Yeah, I know that. And so the question is, you know, those people that are the naysayers and the complainers, if you aren't careful, they can steal your energy 100%. And, and, and pull you down. So I'm I'm just curious as to how do you deflect that? Do you ignore it? Do you give them attention? What what do you do with that? You know, I think there's certain, I think back to, I hearken back to my mother telling me, you're not an engineer. I can't come back and deflect my mother. Like I have to listen to that. But I can tell you, I do choose, I am very choosy about the folks who I, who I choose to hang around. And because you're right, I believe that negativity breeds negativity and, and vice versa, that positive energy breeds positive energy. And that's why I don't focus on failures. I focus on growth. Sometimes the hardest challenge is even within my mind, making sure that that doesn't, that that doesn't sort of take over my mind. So I, every morning for me personally, of that voice in my head that may be negative or a naysayer, I start every day with three things that I express gratitude for. I end the day with three things that went really well. I don't focus on, of course, those things that didn't go well. I don't focus on that. I end my day reminding myself that I made a difference today, whether to myself, to other people. So I, I use that to kind of quiet that voice in my head, which sometimes can be much stronger than anybody else. And when it comes to the people that you surround yourself with, I think we have to be very careful. I think because, and it chips away at you very slowly, Annette. You can be this positive person, a positive beacon of light, and you hang around a bunch of people who are negative, I'm telling you, at some point, they're going to slowly drag you down to where instead of looking and going, wow, this is a new opportunity, you're looking at that going, God, you got to be kidding me. We're changing again. We're doing something different again. So be careful with who we hang with. And if you have a choice, and I got to admit, that's the only time my mom's ever really been negative in, in my life. It's tough to deflect from our family, but for those that we can make choices, be careful. And I think that it's kind of limiting, limiting exposure to that where you can. And right. if you can't, again, I think back to family, or let's say it's employees who work for you, or maybe it's your boss or, you know, people that are around you. When I walk away from a really negative bitch session, shall we say, I walk away and go, wow, that was awful. 
I consciously think about the fact that these folks look at life that the glass is half empty. Remind myself that I am somebody who looks at life as being half full and remind myself of that so that I can get my mind back into the attitude of I can make this change, I can do this. And and I just think that there's also, it's all right to be uncomfortable. I mean, I, I say this, I think a lot of times people don't like change because it's just so uncomfortable. And I totally get that. I totally, totally get, get it. Too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, every time I've switched jobs, I know when we spoke, I switch careers about every 10 to 12 years. And it's because I come in and I stop learning. Like I know what I'm doing. Maybe mastery is not the right word, but, but the learning is certainly decreased. And, and at that moment, it's easy to come in when we're not learning new things. It's easy to get caught up in this swirl of wow, you know, this job is terrible, what I'm doing, my life is terrible, everything else. I think when you push yourself into leaning into that unease and and leaning into where you're learning again, you don't have time for the negative. Uh, Because of the fact that you're so focused on learning and the steep learning curve that you've got to overcome, that it's hard to sit there It's hard to sit and be negative and allow negativity into your life. So folks who feel stuck, one of my first questions that I ask them is, hey, what do you want to do? What what do you think is your next step? What makes you uncomfortable about doing that, about taking that, taking action towards wherever you want to go? And how can you lean into that more? If you feel you are uncomfortable, then that's the direction you need to keep going. And by leaning into that unease, it's going to feel off. It's going to feel, uh, it's going to feel scary. And for those people who overcome that and are who don't settle, that's what you're going to be in the, pretty much the rest of your life. <laughs> I hate to say that. Um, well, and, and, at that. And at those places, you'll find you have very little competition because very few people are willing to go into that space of uncomfortableness. Oh, my goodness. And it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. So I'm going to continue in this area a little bit of uncomfortableness because as a mechanical engineer, you certainly throughout the years have maneuvered in a very male-dominated space many times. So how have you kept true to yourself while playing with the boys, so to speak? You have a very, it helps that I have a strong confidence factor, I have to admit. Um, as I've kind of shared with you, I don't dwell on where I'm, where I'm weak. Instead, I come in and say, if I'm weak in an area that's necessary for my job, I'm going to do what I have to do to learn it. Um, so I am good at what I do. I have confidence in the fact that even if I don't know it today, I will learn it tomorrow if that's what it's needed for the job. And I feel like my confidence in myself, my confidence in my ability to learn, and which goes back to the fact that I'm used to changing all the time. So I'm always in this learning mode. That's the great thing is once you get, I think once you get over that first initial hump, the change gets easier because you're used to being in this unease. And so playing in any big arena male or female, because I've worked for a lot of very strong female oxygen with 75% women. 
I think it's about confidence and no confidence in yourself and knowing that you can figure it out. And I, I give what I get. I work for some very, very strong bosses, some that would consider, even as a consultant and, and full-time, I work for some bosses within the entertainment industry that people, when you would tell people who you work for, they'd go, whoa, you work for that guy? Is he as crazy as I hear? And the answer is <laughs> yes. And the next question I get, God, how did you do that? I don't get engaged in the crazy. I don't get engaged in the crazy. I really fight to make sure that I don't get caught up in their emotional drama because that's what I, I had one boss. He threw a keyboard at me. I mean, a reputation in the entertainment industry beyond anything. Like I got interviews in entertainment after I moved. So I was in engineering and then transitioned into entertainment and moved to California, just quit my job, moved to California and went to work for a really high powered gentleman there. And he was nuts. Like I've just never seen anybody so quick to temper and anger through a keyboard at me. Um, like it was just, and that was the, that was the least of the things that I'll come in and tell you. I just don't get caught up in the drama. I remember in, in this instance, this gentleman threw this keyboard at me because he didn't like the choices that the decorator brought for like the internal, the inside of the elevator. Like seriously, he just went nuts. And the whole room's deathly quiet. Everybody's looking at the keyboard and everybody's looking at me going, what are you going to do? And I just looked at him and I said, so I take it you don't like the choices. Tell us what you, a little bit more about what you're looking for. And it just, like everybody was like, like, the sigh, like of relief. sigh of relief <laughs> right. because of just not getting caught up in the drama. Right. And, and because think, it escalated to, it could have escalated to a major confrontation. Oh my gosh. And it was just not necessary. And I, right. so I right. think if you work for somebody who's crazy, um, you know, don't escalate. And I right. think when sort of running, I guess my other piece of what has worked well for me in kind of running with the big boys is I'm a big girl. I think it comes back to the fact that I really did believe that I deserve it, that seat at the table, just like everybody around this table. And it's in that confidence in my present abilities or my ability to learn new things that I deserve that seat at the table. I can run with whatever anybody's doing. And if, and if there's something that happens that I don't know, I'm going to walk out of that room, figure out what they're talking about. And that's the confidence that I have. I just have complete faith and complete confidence that I deserve to be at that table. And I'm going to ask for it and I'm going to demand to be at that table. I don't wait for somebody to ask me to come join it. Uh, I walk in and say, this is where I'm at. This is where my skill level is. Give me that seat at the table or I'm rolling. And I'll find something else that's fantastic that does give me that seat at the table. So the interesting thing, I'll interrupt you there for a second, because it really is an internal game. Oh, I think so. It's a total internal game. And I hope all of you listening really realize that, that this is not something somebody can give you. This is something you have to work on and claim inside yourself. Because exactly. until you do that, you are a victim of the shift of the winds. You're flowing back and forth and all over the place. And But when you root yourself in who you are and your own value, you can't be blown all over the place. Right. That's, that's what exactly I have found it. anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, you said it 
so beautifully in that. I cut out what I said and definitely go with what you said. You said <laughs> but, but you're absolutely right. It's if you feel you don't deserve that seat at the table, then you're right because you're not going to get that seat at the table. When you walk in there and, and you demand that seat and if they don't give it to you, you keep kicking down that door and then you at the same time you go after another you go after another door because you want to be with an organization, you know, certainly your own organization, obviously you've got that mojo inside of you to know that you can do this on your own, but if you are in and environment. If you're in corporate America, you got to go in there and you got to demand that. You got to demand that seat at the table. And that even as an entrepreneur, Val, you've got to demand your space. I have found whether it's with a banker or whether with it's going up against a competitor or whatever. Again, I think it's just you got to claim it. Absolutely, and you got to know your worth. It's amazing how many women I have run across, and it's really kind of making me sad a little bit. I moved to New Orleans five years ago from New York City, and I have made it kind of a little bit of a mission. I'm doing this on the side of, of doing a lot of coaching on negotiations. I can't tell you how many women, when I come back and say, what's your price? Oh, I don't like to talk about money. It's like, are you kidding me? That's the first thing you talk about. What's your worth? You need to understand what you're worth, and then you never back down from that. And the key is, is if they say, well, that's too much for me. Gosh, I'm so sorry. Let me see if I can find some other resources for you. And it's so interesting to me at, at how many women have this lack of confidence in understanding their value and their worth, and therefore they undervalue. Now, I will say this, Annette, that I also think that a lot of women that money is not necessarily a motivator. So I think that feeds into it. By the same token, I would say you got to get that out of your head because you understand your, your value or your worth is based on what your fees are. So as a keynote speaker, if I charge $5,000, let's say, for a keynote speech, that's, different. I, that's a different worth that a conference coordinator would put on me versus the fact if I'm charging fifteen dollars or $20,000. So money does play into the value of worth. And what I would say is I, would n- I don't ever want to be at the bottom of the barrel on the worth category. And I have to understand that value I bring and then put a dollar amount on that and then be confident in that. And I think a lot, a lot of women kind of shy away from that. And I think if that's your... If that's your area of being uncomfortable, then I would say that's the first area that I would suggest that you lean into uh, in order to figure out your worth that can then come in and equate to a dollar value. Absolutely. And I think so many women feel, you, you mentioned that women feel that money, a lot of women feel money is not important, but they also have to recognize so many of the visions they have, it takes money to make those happen. So money is just another resource and another vehicle to accomplish what you want to accomplish. It's not about buying more toys or, or those kind of things. It's a resource. Yeah. And I really wish that more women would understand that and, and reframe that in their minds. And it's a reflection of worth as well, for sure. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Well, I love this. And I kind of talk about the worth because I... I hear it time and again, oh, I'm not sure if my services are worth that. 
All right, what research have you done? What's everybody right. else charging? What what is what are your male counterparts charging for the exact same thing? Um, so if they're getting it, then you need to demand it as well. And right. if you don't get it, then say no and walk away from the job. So uh, I love, like I said, I love your idea that exactly it is a resource. We gotta, we all, you need money. You need money to do things. Uh, you need money to. You need investors for your business to grow. Like money's not a dirty word. Money is one of my most favorite words on the planet. Um, Not that that's necessarily a driver. I do a lot of volunteer work, but I can tell you this, that you got to have money to do the things you want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Valerie, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? Oh, my goodness. The only thing I'll say is if you don't like something, change it. I feel very strongly about this. You want to be thoughtful. You want to be intentional, have an intentional approach about it. Uh, But if something's not right in your world, what I would suggest is focus on that and then figure out a plan. Be that three months, six months, even a year from now. Figure out what steps you need to take and what steps, even if they're baby steps every day that get you closer to where it is that you want to go. Um, be that again in a year or six months or however long. And I think it's amazing at once you start that journey of change, how exciting it becomes, even if I'm still stuck in a job that I don't like. There's a pep back in my step because I know I'm moving towards something that I want. So I guess I would just very strongly encourage uh, folks to think about and identify what that is that perhaps you're not necessarily satisfied with and then do something about it. Uh, It has an amazing cathartic effect. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, that is such such incredible wisdom. I hope that uh, everyone has taken that to heart because that's, that's incredible. And you've given so many nuggets of gold today from such an interesting perspective of your own journey. And I so appreciate you taking time from away from your clients to come and share some of your nuggets of gold. It's definitely an honor to be here, Annette. And Valerie is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 